0: No one needs a billion dollars. No one person needs that much money. A billion is a thousand million. That's 21,000 years of work. At minimum wage to make that money, to hoard like you deserve it. No one
1: makes a billion dollars without exploiting workers. All right, we're live. (laughs) we're live. Um, Welcome back, everybody or welcome if this is your first time. Happy Hi. that you're here. Blessed. We appreciate you. Um, what are we talking about today?
0: The theater. <laughs> theater? <laughs> I hardly no, know I her. Think... <laughs> I think I went to school with her. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. Um, where do they even start? What was what was everyone's first experience? We're okay. We're all most of us. Okay, let me restart that. Like present or former,
2: <laughs> right?
1: Either present or former performers um, of the theater. Where did how? What was everyone's first experience?
2: Let's in talk the about theater. The first like time. who? <laughs> Wow first experience I was like nine years old and it was a church play loved the church plays but it wasn't like a regular like Bible based church play it was like a it was more of like a morality play at my old church there was an original playwright who attended you know regular lady hi Marie how you doing and she wrote a play about like, like the average struggle of like an inner city black kid that shouldn't be his struggle you know like he like ran away from his family he was like messing around with the wrong peoples and everything like that and it was basically like his journey back home um and i played mourner number three because unfortunately this world does not love black men and she showcased that very very early oh i also want to throw in um One of our regular listeners gave us a little bit of feedback a day or two ago, so we do want to provide a quick trigger warning during this conversation. um, At least for me personally, we may discuss things like sexual assault. We will talk about discrimination and um, harassment. So again, thank you for that listener for uh, letting us know and giving us that feedback about putting these disclaimers in the beginning of the podcast, and we will try to implement that more
1: moving forward that actually sounds like such a good foot to start on i mean not that there's like necessarily any bad way it's just
3: i mean mine's pretty stereotypical so i feel like it's bad (laughs) i
1: mean i was my sister my older sister was really into theater so it kind of like also trickled down to me i guess i don't particularly remember my first first experience ever with theater um i remember we used to like sing wicked together as like children and I like did a program through my school like but it was nothing like there was no really like defining moment of like this was my very first experience ever touching this stuff kind
3: of thing. For me I'm kind of in the same boat Amelia like it's really hard for me to think of specific things that like drew me towards theater from like a young age because it took me honestly a really long time until like seventh or eighth grade before I realized that it was something I wanted to do like I went through like every sport in the book trying to like find something that I was good at and I'm just a clumsy mess so all of them ended up in me getting hurt somehow but I know that like I loved growing up like watching Grease I would watch Grease all the time and I watched Hairspray all the time it was those two I just watched those two all the time my first show that I ever saw I saw Wicked at Jay's uh in Buffalo like it's weird because that was like the first show that I saw but it didn't really influence me to like want to do it nor was I ever I never had that wicked obsession where I like had the soundtrack playing all the time like that wasn't I just feel like once I got around like seventh grade eighth grade that's when I started taking some like dance classes because my best friend at the time was like starting to get back into them so I was like yeah I want to try and ended up doing that and realized early on that I was not really going to ever call myself a dancer as much as I would call myself a mover <laughs> and then I you know started doing the the plays and the stuff at school started taking some acting classes and realized around high school age that acting was something I wanted to do forever but it was like no defining moment really it was just like the concept of like I really love movies and I love just art and then it just kind of like tumbled into theaters being the priority art form for me I guess but I love art so
0: yeah I feel like I have to jump on Kenya's because my first thing was also a church play. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I was like probably like 10. But before that, um, I started in, I've been doing ballet since I was four because my older sister was like a ballerina, like ball- like went to Europe, like almost did it professionally, ballerina. Oh. So my mom was just kind of like, you too, no? <laughs> um, I did it and then I hated it as a kid I hated it I would come home like really just like your body hurts and like they kind of make you hate it as a kid a little bit like it's just too strict it's too and then I got back into it as a freshman in high school but I got into theater and I was in like seventh grade I took it as like an elective and I had been performing before that but not acting and then I was like oh I feel like this is Like I like talking too. I don't know. I liked I was I liked memorizing things, and I liked like actually. I always did it for fun, but then I don't know. But I um, where Amelia and I met in college. It's Ashland, Um, so I lived like an hour from there. And there's this big theater company called Oregon Shakespeare Festival. If anyone has ever heard of it, Um, I've been going to see plays there. Amelia, you've never heard of it? I feel like you'd be so familiar. Um, (laughs) I've been going to see plays there since I was like. 15 14 or 15 um and i was just like blown away like they would do these crazy versions of just like like they for being a small town they really did some like iconic things like it's the first time i saw i went to acting camp there in high school they did like an adaptation of like a stage version of wrinkle in time and like the author's daughter like sent everybody a book like a signed book and everything and i was like this is crazy like i am blown away they gender bended like Romeo and Juliet, which isn't crazy, but, I mean, like, for being a huge, big theater company, it's really cool. It was, like, there was an all-female cast of... uh, I'm gonna get this wrong, but... It it might be Oklahoma, but it might be also something else. Um, So many Shakespeare plays, they just... I was just, like, amazed, and it was my dream to work there. Um, And then I I just switched... I just kind of switched it up. But, yeah, I definitely got into it very young, and I miss it. I do miss it a lot. I feel like I've always...
1: Love, fear for what it could be, and not what it is or been necessarily.
0: That's a great way to put it.
1: Because, okay, let's let's take a quick trip down memory lane. Because memory, memory lane. Because out of all the episodes, this is the one where we're gonna be most knowledgeable about. Because this is what we've studied in college, and this is what most of us have devoted our lives to, or was like a really big part of our lives. So. Going back to when America was first created, and like this is the root of of it all. I'm like, this is the root of it all. Entertainment as a whole, dance, music, theater, all of it would not exist without black folks. Period. And it's just like really upsetting because. Like, the older we get, I mean, you know, all of our first interactions were very, like, white-based shows. I mean, even Hairspray is, like, told from, like, a white perspective. And I think that of all the things, like, theater is something that we are supposed to be critical about. And that we can be—and we're kind of allowed to be critical about because it's not real life. Because I'm so sick of these fucking conversations happening every time someone is murdered by the police— and people treat it like it's controversial, or that it's something to be discussed. No, discuss Uncle Tom's Cabin, not the murder of black men. That's not up for discussion. That is murder, period. I don't care if you have a badge or not, like that's not, no, but you know, talk about King Headley or Uncle Tom's Cabin, because those are also relevant to us today. I'll never forget when I went to go see To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway like two summers ago, last summer, I don't know. And everyone everyone in the audience gasped when the jury finds him guilty. And I'm like, okay, I'm sure all of us here have read the book or know the story because that's why we're here. That's why we bought the ticket. All of, most of us should also know that this still happens every fucking day, all the time, and it felt wrong to me as just a human being that I stand at a point of privilege just in that to be able to afford a fucking Broadway ticket, which is not cheap, and it's purposefully not cheap sitting there and being able to enjoy this story that is still a narrative in a lot of people's lives. And just, it just felt weird. It's become, I mean, maybe it just never changed power. I, I of course it hasn't, in the respect of performing for white audiences or writing for white audiences because majority of the time, it's white authors.
3: fucking hate Broadway. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, I just had to get that in there. I fucking hate Broadway. I hate everything about Broadway. I hate Broadway. I'm so sick and tired of people trying to, like, make it to be something so great, which is why I'm like, I'm so here for this conversation, Amelia, that you're like putting out here because it's like, fuck Broadway. Here's a fun fact. Do you know what qualifies a Broadway theater? The amount of seats it
1: has. Number of seats. Nothing else. Number of seats
3: qualifies a Broadway oh, theater like from off-Broadway. Off Broadway. Yep. Oh, yep. Oh, okay. And, like, regional theaters, like, it all, like, qualifies that, as well as, like, regional theaters sometimes, like, based on the contracts that you're allowed to have put in place. Oh, but, yeah, Broadway is all just your seats. Yeah.
1: And, like, also not, most theaters in America are, like, non-profit because... Our government doesn't want to give money to the things that we actually
0: could like benefit from no yeah. also who makes it to broadway who doesn't already know a bunch of fucking people or is someone somebody famous's kid <laughs> <I laughs> no it's true like
1: i felt so i still feel very inadequate in a lot of like theater spaces because i did i couldn't afford the training when i was younger like i wish my mother and okay this is not like me like blaming my parents for like you know struggling but like i wish i could have comfortably been like i want to take dance classes and spend all these fucking money on dance classes and voice lessons and all of these things for what yeah I i was as a
2: chorus
3: person because i'm not seen as like a leading whoever i was very privileged in that sense where my parents really did give me that option to take classes and i am forever grateful for that but also very aware of the fact that not many people get to have that privilege to do that um and I try not to feel bad about it but it just it just sucks knowing that not everyone can do that and that it's like part of the game that is theater you know even like attending a university and like getting a theater education in that sense like it's all just it's part of this game because it's like Honestly, there are so many, like, of course, like, if you can take a couple classes, like, master classes or anything, like, go for it, you know? Like, learning is great, but also, like, just, like, talking about it with people and just understanding what the industry is and how it is just, like, this whole mindfuck game and just learning. I mean, I think, like, something I'm talking about with my therapist right now is the fact that it's, like theater does not make you feel very necessary sometimes but just know that there is a place for you um right now uh well I don't want to say right now but I'm I've I've been very aware of like my privileges as being a white woman who looks younger than her age who is blonde hair blue-eyed And I am on the thinner side. And uh, that's just, that's who I am. And I won't lie to you. And I don't mean this in any sort of like white guilt way. But like sometimes I honestly and truly feel guilty for the way I was born and wanting to go into theater because I feel like I'm taking away space from other people who deserve it more than me. And that's a conversation I'm having right now with my therapist. But it's just, just know that you can do both, where you can advocate for things and advocate for people and create space as well as knowing that you're also allowed to take up some space too. Don't let this game make you feel like you have no place, you know?
0: That's really important that you said that, like really important. I mean, like that's the biggest reason why I stopped doing it was because the people there like it was a huge game. game i started to feel ridiculous i started to feel like some sort of like just like i was like what am i doing like i looked around and all the people who were getting parts who were better than me parents were paying for them i was working three jobs with amelia two of them with amelia like you know who had time neither of us were in shows we were at the same auditions all the time neither of us got cast in shows because they kept those people there till 2 a.m. who didn't work the next day. Like, they were just sort of there, and all the people there were, like, very set up to do very well in the program, and there was no space. Like, I think I didn't show up to one class because I genuinely pulled an all-nighter, and I did something. Whatever the excuse, excuse is, I mean, a faculty member like, hated me. Like, he just kind of had it out for me or something, but I was like, w- like, what's the reason? You actually hate me? Um, it was, um. We can bleep it out. It was with air, right? Eric Levine. Ah, I
1: knew
0: yeah. it. Yeah, he, he was, yeah. 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 shit. Fan. The guy hated me, but also. If, literally if you're, mutual, if you're listening, feelings mutual. Yeah. <laughs> it's I was like, what is this? Like this isn't theater. This is this is like you're picking favorites. Like there were some people ah. in there like, you know, like that's just, just a p- game of favorites. I was like I love
1: I'm- Niagara University theater. Well here's the thing. Here's the thing. Liz, you make a lot of good points about how inaccessible theater really is when it like claims to be all of these things or it should be all of these things. Like again, mm-hmm. like I cannot stress how much like the issue is that it, it takes resources and money just like anything else if not more so it is a money thing it is a privilege thing and like even things that are really popular like um unpaid internships like only a select number of people are afforded the opportunity to do that because they can devote their time without working multiple jobs in order to pay for their things whether that's because their parents give them money or you know whatever to be invested in theater is to also like need the financial backing to help you out and I feel like that's not something that's like very upfront. I don't know it
3: just no I think that's really yeah that's a really good way to put it because no one you know you don't learn that stuff until you're in it like that's like the whole thing like I for me to get my combat certification I had to pay like over a thousand dollars not only to like stay in a hostel for two weeks but also just to get the certification and it only will cost more as I go up in my level and it's like it's just stuff like that where it's like it's all of these things that they like it's like anything it's like living in America in general they just trick you into spending more money on everything because you have no choice I think that's a perfect way to put it like it's it's not up front at all Kenya
0: I see you unmute click I see that
3: <laughs> I
2: just think it's funny how Theater was for people's entertainment, and now—do
3: you want to you
2: know, know? It a <laughs> <back laughs> and a that's, blood donation do and a sacrifice to whatever god just to get like a potential callback for like a background character. I just think that's hilarious. Guess who like, it that way?
1: Guess who made it that way? Take a guess. Take a guess.
3: White people. White men.
1: We love capitalism. (laughs) White men. I wrote a whole ass paper on this. Mini modern Fisk homegirl was trying to be out here producing Chekhov and shit that people actually wanted to see. And then this group of white men got together, called themselves the syndicate, and was like, you know what? We're going to, we've realized that we can make money off of theater. What we're going to do is we're going to buy all the main theaters in the country and we're gonna be able to tell them exactly what to produce and what they can't produce and we're gonna literally basically try to ruin her career because she would book shows with these theaters and then they would be like can't do it syndicate says no and they're the ones who own us so sorry money comes first here in america and so she ended up like renting out or, like, performing in open spaces or, like, abandoned buildings, whatever, whatever. She did her shit. Um,
2: But, yeah, essentially,
1: theater was colonized.
2: And, like, it's so, it's just, it's just baffling to me. Like, let's, let's go back to Niagara University. Let's, let's go back to. I would love to. Like, and I'm saying, I'm saying this name loud and proud because I had this whole conversation with them and they hear it so y'all gonna hear it again. Cause I still don't, I don't really be seeing them changes and I'm keep saying it till so I see these changes. Oh, wow. I just, I just, it's amazing to me how there are professors that think that they're doing us a service, especially like actors of color doing us a service by giving us a, a like a two day, a two class PowerPoint presentation about oppressive theater i don't give a flying fuck about thomas daddy rice because what he did was he went around because he was a poor actor and i mean that financially and in talent he wasn't shit he wasn't booking any roles he wasn't working for any theaters he wasn't doing shit so what he decided to do was i'm gonna go travel the united states and i'm gonna look at black people and i'm gonna try and figure out how i can dehumanize them further and he watched a group it was either a group or no 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 no. it was one um person and it was a disabled black man and thomas rice paid him to dance for him and because he was physically disabled he was handicapped he he danced a little funny according to according to daddy rice and So what he did was he mimicked that dance and created a minstrel show out of it. He was the founder, father of minstrelsy. And then he created the character that is now represented Jim Crow Laws. Jim Crow, the black man's name that he stole those movements from was known to be either Jiminy Cricket or Jim Crow. Jiminy Cricket was the stage name. And now that little dance character is the face of the Jim Crow laws. That is not beneficial learning for your black students. If that was the Niagara University. only thing, that was Niagara University. And that was the <laughs> primary thing of black theater that I ever heard. And it was making fun of black people.
3: And also um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uncle Tom's cabin and remember me and um another white person had to present a whole entire hour and 20 minute presentation on Uncle Tom's cabin and thank god you know we weren't stupid or ignorant um enough in which we like didn't put any sort of like warning before we talked about it because we were I was so uncomfortable I was like literally I was like I don't want to this is not any white person's place to talk about this show, but we tried really hard to keep it as factual as possible, but how the hell would you, like, why? Like, it's just stuff like that where it's just, like, why? Also, it really... I'll go, okay, here's... I was just talking
1: to my roommate about this today. Uh, Real People Talking Shit had their first podcast episode, Good N-Word Syndrome. He discusses this, his, his own theory um, about said syndrome and he kind of discusses about like why he thinks it's like a syndrome and not a disease necessarily. But essentially that it perpetuates a narrative that that exists when it very much when society has shown us that it very much doesn't. And Uncle Tom uh, raised up that narrative that, hey, this kind of this kind of enslaved person exists and like they're good and stuff. And, you know, they're likable or whatever because they're unthreatening or whatever that means. But he also talks about how Breonna Taylor was essentially the perfect case for being that, that she was sleeping in her home, doing absolutely nothing wrong. And even then people still find and through no fault of her own people still find a way to justify her murder because that's what it was it was a murder and it just goes to show that that story can be harmful because it perpetuates the idea of like yeah you can you know just just do what they say just follow the law just don't do this don't do that and like you'll be fine when that is very much not the case and it is a false sense of security that does not exist for people and we need to stop pretending that it does. Right about note. something
2: else. Side note, if you if you if you watch and see someone unjustly attacked, hurt, murdered by anyone in uniform, and if if any part of your body thinks it's okay to say, well, just follow the law, fuck you.
4: And I'm not, I'm not I'm not
2: gonna wrap that up in a bow for you. Absolutely not. First of all, you as a human should recognize that no matter what someone does another human does not play god your police system who you believe is here to protect and serve is not here to protect and serve they're here to maintain and contain that is their job their job is to establish an order given to them by some other higher power and it usually isn't god it's usually just the government it's usually just some Ugly, ugly person in the chair. So, if you see that someone has been murdered and you've seen multiple times that there are innocent people being murdered, if you see that happening over and over and over again and you still think it's justified to say, well, just follow the law. The law is bullshit. It changes every year. That's it for my little side note. <laughs>
0: That's all.
2: <laughs> That's all. I said what I said.
1: <laughs> okay. We have tried quite a bit about the downfalls that we've 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 experienced and seen in theater. And we also said that we want that we love it for the potential that it could be. So in this time, while thing many things are being rebuilt and reworked. in in new ways, I think is a perfect opportunity to not reinvent theater, but decolonize theater. Theater needs to be decolonized. That's what it is. I found the words for putting it on a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) Theater needs to be decolonized. And what I mean by that is stop giving white men a typewriter, stop it. They have no more stories to tell. What do stop?
3: Just stop, or stop telling. Not stop giving them the opportunity to tell someone else's story. Correct. Please. In in that same vein,
1: people of color have stories outside of oppression, and I think that's something that a lot of people forget. Experiences are different, and oppression is a part of that. It's difficult for it to not be, um, but that's not that's not the main personality trait of most people. And it's just really disappointing that people think that that's all there is. And, you know, like colleges like Niagara University, and I'm sure many others out there, really utilize their students of color to prove a point that is not theirs to make. I think a way that they can remedy that is to actually, talk to their students or ask. I remember when I was in high school, I did this program and someone from Vassar came in, a professor from Vassar came in to talk to us. And she was this incredible, it was a clown class. So obviously like great shit, right? And it was this black woman and she talked to us about, you know, we got to do like a little Q&A with her after. I don't remember her name. I just remember that like she gave a lot of insight to what, to me, to what it would look like, to become a professional performer as a person of color and she said something that i will literally never forget and i try to implement now entering theater in this crazy weird time of setting boundaries for yourself as a performer and as a person and also knowing that one day just because you if you ever do make it to broadway just because you in a Broadway show does not guarantee a career and that you could absolutely be unemployed the next day because Broadway shows run based on how much money they make I don't know if that's like common knowledge but like you know be more chill closed after like a month which is like awesome because that show sucked I'm so sorry if your favorite musical is be more chill I highly encourage you to think of the ways it might be problematic anyways like as a person of color because i remember like in high school being the only person of color in my theater department my roles were very limited i had to be the other in different instances whatever that meant whether that meant being like the kooky director or the maid or the sheep her- like these are all things that i i actually like played in high school because i wasn't homogeneous with everybody and in a stories need to be homogenous visually For whatever reason and okay i'm so going off track setting your own boundaries because i really thought that that was like my only place in theater was to you know be the housekeeper or you know do this or do that and like i had to find my way to those roles instead of just allowing myself to do other things because i can do other things and she told us about a friend of hers who was on broadway and then like unemployed the next and that kind of thing but also saying that he has only garnered his success because when he got an agent when he finally like took the step to get an agent he told his agent do not contact me for the following roles it gave him an entire list and said do not he, he was a black man he said do not ca- contact me for the following roles: cab driver uh store clerk uh butler like a whole list of things that he's like i'm not gonna do that i'm better than that and that's like something that you need to do like as a as an artist of color as a person of color like you can't com- you shouldn't be you shouldn't have to compromise yourself to like fit into a certain space and i think that goes double for theater because it's easy to be like oh it's just pretend and like you know that that's how like fucking white high schools are doing not culturally appropriate shows because they feel like they have the room to do that when they don't that's not their space to hold and i think being very specific and loud and definitive about your boundaries as a performer will help you fall in line with the right kind of people because there's gonna be shitty people everywhere in whatever theater you go to. It's gonna be it's gonna be, you know, an ass kissing contest most of the time. That's really what it is. It really is. And that's so unfortunate, which is why like I try and find space like I don't even waste my time trying to be in those spaces because I
0: don't want to be there and people don't really want me there. So why would I go there? Do you ever look at those people though? And you're like, does Does your mouth like hurt from kissing ass so hard? Like, I can't get yeah, the energy. Yeah, the energy too. And I'm just like, you're so fake. Like I could throw this pen at you and like just your plastic body will just like not accept it. Like that's how fake you are.
2: Literally there's a time, I think I talked about this in an earlier podcast too. Um, we were in one, we were in one of our, um, theater history classes. I think it was junior year and we were reading Fences. And of course, like in this class, we were tying like the show to its time periods, like social ideas around that time. And we were reading Fences and one of the students was talking about like how, I think his name is Troy, the, the, the leading man, the father, um, was talking about how like oh, he should have just been, like, essentially just trying to be like, he should have been better. I remember this. mm Mm-hmm, because I was pissed off. Yeah. I was pissed off
3: that day. Like, silence. There was, like, silence in the classroom when this person talked because we were all like, what the actual, what did you just say?
2: And this person was basically, like, basically trying to give that bullshit, pick yourself up by your bootstraps narrative, which I hate. We all know I hate that narrative. Pretty sure this
3: person actually said that too. Like Mm -hmm. actually, yeah, they did. Like
2: I would literally, if I had the option to go back in time and smack the dog shit out of whoever like coined that phrase, I'm gonna do it. But basically saying about how like everyone has the same opportunity, Very a very candy coated, I have never known this kind of struggle thought bubble going on and ooh, this person basically was just like oh everyone has the same experiences and the same chances and the same abilities and the same like everything is equal everyone has the opportunity to do whatever they want this is 1959 or 19 when was this time period it was either 1959 or 1963. Either way this is a black man with a barely sixth grade education who didn't even, who couldn't afford to finish school because he had to go and help his father work by age 12. And then who was kicked out and was on his own homeless by age 14 and then had to continue working, was only able to get married and pull themselves up, pull themselves up. There's a lot of finger quotations happening here. And he, this man did not have the same opportunities and he was doing what he had. He was doing what he could with what he had and what he knew. Was he a good person? Absolutely not. He was. He was terrible. He was a horrible father. And he was rude. He was a cheater. Like, I'm not saying this man was by any means good. I'm not excusing his behaviors either. However, trying to say that he had the same opportunities as his white counterparts is a lie. Because if that were the case, he would be playing the business owner and not the employee. And so when I was trying to explain, like, pick yourself up by your bootstraps is a stupid ass narrative. I got cut off. Because I was getting too heated in class. And mind you, I was a lot more mild-tempered than I am now. Because now I just don't even care. But at that point, I was very, I was very concerned with being more palatable for my white professors. And this was this was the time where I started like, you know, speaking on issues that actually involved me, you know, black stuff. And I was telling her, like, well, the pick yourself up by a bootstrap narrative doesn't really work in 1963 for the black majority because all we got was broken sandals. We didn't even have straps. Boots didn't have no soles. We're not, we not on the same foot in here. And it was made that way intentionally. And before I could actually cook this person's ass, I got cut off and it was, oh, we'll just pick it up on another classroom. You know, I don't want it to get too debatey in here. Why? Too political. Too political. It's not even like, that kills me. Anytime you talk about a humanitarian, a human, a human rights issue, or just trying to give someone basic education on a simple matter. It's always, oh, we're not gonna get political. This ain't got nothing to do with politics. I ain't dropped a Cheetah Puff name. We ain't talking about him right now. I'm saying that black citizens of these United States of America, 1963 and 2020, we're not giving equal footing. But because it was getting too controversial, in a, in a theater class, it was too controversial, got cut off. Like, how you going? What happened to being comfortable with the uncomfortable? Or does nice. that only apply when your director is making inappropriate gestures and movements towards you? Is that and what that's... you mean by being uncomfortable or being comfortable with the uncomfortable? Meaning I have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, that way you can still be comfortable? we ain't doing that. It. Also, it's
1: really getting sick of the word controversial. Because all it means is that it's likely to bring about disagreement. So to say that something is controversial, I don't know. I don't know why that's like a defense. It's, it's almost kind of like, no, I don't want, it's controversial. It's like, don't, don't talk about that because I don't want to be shown that I'm wrong. Yeah. A little bit. Also, I did mention this at a. I think I linked a video in the second part of the APAB episode. Um, but pull yourself up by the bootstraps the first time that that term was actually coined, it was to prove the point that that is a literally impossible task. Um, but now, yeah, so that's just ironic.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can I do a sidebar real fast? Um, you you can you can take this part out, um, but I'm uncomfortable with my previous statement that I said in the beginning, talking about what I was talking about with my therapist and how I don't fit in in theater right now, because I feel like it's a privilege in itself to like have these thoughts, and I just, as a white person, I just it was stupid, and I I don't want it in here.
1: <laughs> I think it's incorrect I think
3: I just hate it no
1: I yeah it's not fun <laughs> but I no, I just the acknowledgement is like the most important thing
3: and like that's how we move forward I just feel like it makes me sound like awful <laughs> just makes me well, feel like
2: because you're speaking from like your own experience like you've have people invalidate your progress as a performer. Yeah. And, like you have a right to be upset about that. It's not, it's not that you're, and at least like to me, and I think it's because like, maybe cause like, we all know your character. It doesn't sound like, like playing a white victim. It literally is just like, there have been people and I've seen, I've seen that shit up like firsthand. There have oh, yeah. been people who try to invalidate, like, the hard work that you put behind it and just say, like, mm, yeah, your hard work doesn't actually matter. It's really just because you look like this. And it's, like, one, you already acknowledge that that has given you an upper hand. Like, you do have that privilege. You acknowledge that already. However, it doesn't invalidate, like, just, like, this. And this is this is a little PSA for the kids. Um, looks will only get you so far. Yeah, and I mean that in every possible like sense in the theater realm. Like, looks will only get you so far, and like you may have more opportunities based on like your skin color, your hair color, your eye color. It like things will vary. However, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it, and that's that's point of the period. If you're not putting in the work, you're not putting in the work, and I'm so passionate about this because Heather has put in the work.
1: Right. And it's also like, it's like that whole thing. I mean, we had this conversation more about like (laughs) what it means to like create space or take up space in that. It's not really about creating space for folks because it's like, we've already, we've always been here. It's about like, okay, well, I'm already in the space. So what can I do as how I identify, like what can I do? And like, I think thinking in that way is what separates you from people just thinking that they already have a claim there. Like, you being aware of, like, of where, of figuring out, like, where your space is and where it's not is, like, so much more than a lot of people are doing right now. And I think just, like, in doing that and, like, setting an example for people, I think that does, like, make a difference and, like, does, like, make an impact because it's, like, People who identify with you, who are also white, can recognize that and feel less threatened by that than if, like me or Kenya, were to be like, "Knock it off," you know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Sorry, I just always—I'm not. Ah, I just never want to sound like a white piece of shit. <laughs> um But I'm sure that will happen at some point, and then I just hope that someone slaps me in the face and like tells me to stop <laughs> um, but it's like yeah okay then that, that makes sense in my head I just got myself worked up because I got nervous that I sounded ignorant
1: that's valid.
3: I mean I feel like that's a I fear like
1: a lot of people have not just white like people of like of just like sounding ignorant but I feel like if that's like
3: what's stopping you from like
1: learning more than like then you're okay you know what I mean
3: i keep trying to like start the conversation or like bring the conversation into people's heads of like okay what are things that we can do now to begin the process of change and continue the process of being progressive in theater what are things we can think about what are things we can actively start doing especially in a time where theater isn't happening like it used to where we have some time to kind of like reevaluate rethink rework and of course these things can't happen overnight and I'm not trying to be like there's a checklist that we can check off things to make it better no but it's like just starting the conversation because I feel like no one is talking about it and everyone is like hashtag save our stage and I'm like no I want to freaking change it I don't care about the stage that we have right now I feel like a lot of people
1: who are, hashtagging save our stage are some of the people who mostly benefit from said stage that has existed before and i think that better forms of theater do exist and have existed but they're not as accessible because they lack funding or whatever have you and i just feel like that's hard and so i think that what people should start doing then is, is what we were talking about, of evaluating like where your space is and what is not your space. Um, you know, telling stories about oppression when you're like a white person, maybe not your space. I recently, I'm having a chat tomorrow, I recently emailed a the theater because um, they had a project that sounded interesting to me and I reached out to them for some more information and they got back to me and they were like, yeah, this is kind of what we're doing, this is a monologue, um, we think, you know, this is a good monologue because we think like anyone can, can read it and we want to do this like live action 3d kind of thing, like virtual reality kind of thing. And like all this stuff. And I was like, okay, that sounds really cool. I read through the monologue and I was like, I absolutely cannot say this as, as a five foot two brown woman. I, there is no way that I would ever say these words. And I know there's a lot of other identities who could never say these words. So I emailed them back and I was like, Hey. I'm still. I, I still would like to work with you, but I have some hesitancy in what you said about anyone want, like anyone being able to read this monologue because it talks about it's essentially like a I'm not trying to like put them on blast or like anything at all. Like the conversation actually went really hard. I'm chatting with the writer tomorrow. But it was essentially like a monologue of someone it, reading it for the first time, presumably a white cis male talking about seeing an incident of police brutality and reflecting on it and saying he wish he had done something like physically assaulted the police officer or that you know they've been waiting for something like this to happen in front of them so that they could do something about it yeah so i was like listen i've been in these maybe not as physically violent as not that it was like death was not the end game in this monologue, but like that something was happening. Like I have been in an instance where I have seen a police officer stop somebody and be aggressive with them um, verbally. And I, st- I just stopped. I pulled out my phone in case something were to escalate and I just waited until their interaction was over. And I knew that that person was safe and the cop was like leaving to go do other things because that's all I can do as a five foot two brown girl, I, I can't tackle a police officer. I can't go up to him and say, hey, what the fuck are you doing? So talk to that person. Like, I don't carry that autonomy. Trans folks don't carry that autonomy. Folks who might be undocumented don't carry that autonomy. So I explain that. And I was like, I don't think it's a bad monologue because I think it can speak to a lot of issues that people who have this mindset have And I think that that's worth discussing. People who have these thoughts, I think that's worth discussing. However, I just, I'm curious as to what the intent is. What what are you trying to do here? Yes. Is it helpful? I don't know. It's not specific enough. And I think that's the thing that's gonna make, make theater great again, Um, is specificity, is being specific about who is telling the story, what they're saying about the story, whose story it is, you know, these are, like, questions that, like, need to be answered.
3: Yeah. Not by white men. Yeah. We've, sh- like, we've, like, um gone so far away from, like, the intention of things, which is so interesting, because it's, like, that's one of the first things you learn in theater is, like, what's your intention behind this? You know, what's your objective? But we've, like, traveled so far away from that as, like, an industry, so that's so interesting. Kidding the Americanization of Stanisławki by young actors.
1: I blame I blame method acting, I blame Hollywood. Um, mostly I just blame white men because most of the time they are to blame. Quote me on that, I don't care. <laughs> like, history has its eye on you. <laughs> <laughs> and including Lynn, Lynn is also very problematic. I recently learned that his father is a
3: lobbyist in PR, doing not great things. Well, that's not fun. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation like Hamilton in itself you know and I'm glad people are talking about it and I'm glad people are criticizing it because that's what theaters for.
1: They purposely put it in the smallest Broadway theater that qualified as a Broadway theater they put it in the smallest one so it could sell out more so it could sell more tickets and it still made more money than Lion
3: King. That's not by
1: coincidence that's by design these things are by design.
3: And that's the Mhm. There are a lot of great like how you said, Amelia, there's a lot of great theater out there. There are a lot of places and companies and people that are doing incredible things. The issue is that you don't see it. That is the problem. It's something that unless we actually take action on the questions that we have as people in the theater... As it like to take action on the change that we would like to see to help future generations of theater doers and artists like that's like the biggest thing and like my like it just in my mind I'm just like I almost had to abolish Broadway but I mean in the sense of what things on on Broadway like I'm I'm sorry but it's just yeah like it's just it's all for for profit it's all for money and you see the same things and it's like you just
1: not to mention that the only reason that Broadway was doing so good financially in this last year was because it's been supplemented so much by nonprofit plays yeah they've been making so much extra money on nonprofit plays That people that aren't even popular that people don't even go see all the
2: time i do have a a little wrap-up point um and this is specifically for um white theater professors stop (laughs) teaching material that is not yours yes like you can give a little introduction and everything but if you're if you have students of color or you have lgbt PT, LGBTQI plus students, if you have students that are not your main demographic and you, if you don't have a well rounded enough idea of that topic to teach those students don't do it. Invite someone in. Have Bring up the topic and have the students discuss it amongst themselves. Make it a research project. Do not monopolize theater that is not yours. We mm-hmm. have enough of that.
1: That's that's an extension of, of seeing what your space is, and that's not your space. If you cannot step up, step down.
2: My entire four years and $44,000 per year of tuition only bought me white theater with chocolate sprinkles. That, that's not the case. We should, we should be able to discuss hard to talk about topics because you got all these kids coming into theater thinking that they're gonna be able to change the world but in reality, they have very, very limited amount of lines to do that. Open up the discussion, and when your students start talking, listening, to, listen to them.
1: Also, keep your other fucking white students in check. They look up to you. Please. yes, You are your ass.
2: Mother so God. You're telling your other white students that it is okay to have these ignorant views and not have to change them. And this is for Nag University Theater specifically. Y'all keep telling people to change the world and start with you.
3: And, like, that's the whole thing, too. Like, Kenya, how it's, like, they... And, like, the people who... Again, like, the people who actually try and challenge things and ask questions are the ones who end up getting the slap in the face. And, like, we end up getting... Like, I have so much to unpack in my brain. (laughs) Um, And I think about it all the time. Just, like, the pure, like... It just, it's, it's just mean and messed up, and it's like, it doesn't make sense, but it does make so much sense, <laughs> because it's all a system, and the system is working, and it's not broken, and that is just, it sucks so bad. It's just annoying, because I feel like, hey, do we remember on our
1: first episode when we talked about flavors of racism?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So theater is a flavor of racism that tastes like something else, but it's still the same thing as of mostly. So I just feel like a lot of people need to get out of the way, stop hiring white writers, stop publishing. I'm not saying like stop altogether. like all the Caucasians to the back, Um, but (laughs) actually yes, because we don't need those stories anymore. And I think about this paper all the time because it's one of my favorite papers I've ever written in my three years at Niagara about the hero complex. Or not necessarily the hero complex, but the I, the, the the hero and how he came to be and what qualifies a hero in a hero story. And Such a lot a of the good. times they're self-appointed. Mm-hmm. There's no one saying, please save me, sir. They have created the chaos in which they need to save everyone from. And it's just not a narrative we need anymore. And the qualifications of what makes a hero, like theater also came from, aside from stealing culture from enslaved people, theater also came from storytelling and religion and mythology, I'm sorry, mythology came first that turned into religion because all the Bible is, it's just stories. I'm, I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but it is literally just stories parables equal stories fictional stories make believe that's not to say that you can't learn from it because that is also the potential that theater has is that you are supposed to learn and art in general is that you're supposed to learn but it is not black and white they are not hard and fast rules everything is subjective let other people tell their stories
2: I'm also gonna throw in here, um, especially in especially if you go to university for theater, do not let them lie to you and make you believe that your own physical, mental, and emotional health comes second to the stage. That is bullshit. You can't tell a story if you are so exhausted that you pass out. That you take care of yourself. There is this weird myth that if you, and I believed it literally until like corona, that makes it, that make you feel like, like you have to literally break your back and destroy yourself for the stage. You don't have to, okay? You really don't have to, because like, I'm calling you out again, showcase should not have been that stressful.
1: That's just another, you know, form of the way that theater has been colonized, is it has been rooted also now in white supremacy the grind culture is real and it is unnecessary. Rest is an important part of the revolution and take a nap, everybody.
2: Please take a, nap. Take a nap. Like yeah. even if you're on stage, you're doing, you're doing your shows and everything like that, remember you are still a student, okay? Like you're still a student. Your other classes do matter. Your overall, like your education does still, it's still very important. So don't, don't, don't try and bring yourself dry, just to make your director happy. Because the really, really fucked up truth, especially in Broadway and in like the professional theater world is like Amelia said earlier, the next day you could end up unemployed and that will not hurt the theater at all.
3: Yeah.
1: It's like Abby Lee Miller says, everyone's replaceable. <laughs> like,
2: Everyone replaceable.
1: We could have an entire episode on how entertainment ran from like, since the drug, the drug, the war on drugs started.
2: Yes,
1: yes. Like, oh my that God. whole era of entertainment is in itself mm-hmm. really fucked up and created a lot of really fucked up things. Bob Fosse, I'm sorry, bro. That shit wasn't OK. I don't care how famous you are. Like, and that's the thing about, like, just fucking hold people accountable. I don't care
3: how much you love them. Hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. If
2: I'm you really love hard. them, so must hold them accountable ridiculous
3: like I think like the uh, good theme that we have is just kind of like setting those boundaries for yourself in different ways whether that be knowing your worth and knowing these are roles that I will not participate in because I am better than this or knowing your worth and saying I need to rest and that is okay and I am allowed to do that And also knowing your worth in a sense that if someone is hurting you, whether that be another cast member, a crew member, uh, a quote unquote authority figure, whether that's a professor or a director, um, know that you can stick up for yourself or just just know that what you're feeling is, is valid. I know that in an educational setting, from personal experience, it is so hard to stick up for yourself or leave those situations, you know? And, like, it can be hard in a professional setting too, but just remember that if you're feeling hurt, that's valid. And take the steps that you need in order to feel good better. I don't mean to put that in such a term, like, in terms that make it seem easy because it's not. No, it I think just... it's
1: important to, like, acknowledge that power dynamics do exist. Yeah. And as someone in a inferior position, in theater in particular, of a power dynamic, it can feel like everything's on the line because, you know, blackballing did exist. The Red Scare, like, there's, there's so much history behind it, too, that goes untalked about and especially in a university setting it's very hard to feel like your chances of succeeding will be squandered because you upset the wrong person and that's not okay like that shit is stupid like that's straight
2: dumb your safety matters it's not your fault yes
3: it's not that's it it's not
2: your fault if your professor broke that trust or your director broke that trust, because theater is predominantly about, you have to trust the people that you're working with. It's very intimate work. And I've seen this so many times where a lot of people will try to make it out to be like, like you fucked up somewhere because you decided to step up and say, I do not like how I'm being treated. Either one, it's uncomfortable, it's unprofessional, it's disrespectful, like no matter what it is, if, it, if it's something, that is hindering you as a person, it's hindering your success, it's hindering your emotional, mental, and physical health. If it is something that is putting you in danger at any capacity, you have every right to go in and say, stop that shit. The victim blaming is
0: strong. (laughs)
2: Like, don't do not, this is so much easier said than done, but do not let them make you feel like you are invalid for caring about your safety. Yes. If you guys like the dog shit out of somebody, do it. I'll vouch for you. I don't care. My name is Kenya. I'll vouch you. Call me. What's up? Hit me yes. up. I'm so, I'm so, <laughs> sick because I've seen so many of my younger classmates coming to me and crying and being just outright hurt because they feel like they can't even go and talk to people in power. And I've seen it too many times where they have gone to people in power and been like, hey, this person, this professor, this director, this this student, this stage manager, I am not okay, I am not comfortable. You know what happens? And they sit back and they go, oh, well, just stick it out, it's almost done. No, you do not have to stick it out. You do not have to die for a theater. Yes. Okay? Putting that out their point blank, period.
0: Or anything. Yes. Or any goddamn career. Goddamn. Anything. <laughs> goddamn! goddamn. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, This was really, like...
0: This is intense. This
3: is. This intense. released so much steam. Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I I just wish that I could, like, literally just, like... I just... <laughs> just, like, I just... I just can't... Like, I really just... I, okay. Okay, sidebar. But, like, not sidebar, but sidebar. Today I was talking with my therapist about how I still tend to um, think about the things that have happened to me and us, us um, like, during... Um, our like last year and like for me like my basically more or less my junior and senior year of college and I just I tend to like go down these spiraling thing like these thoughts sometimes like where I've like made myself cry um just thinking about these things that have happened and like my my therapist always has this thing where she's like okay well what do you gain from doing that like what um like what is your like intention behind like those feelings like what are you trying to get at and like I was trying to like figure it out because I'm still kind of unsure but I'm not sure if it's like the idea of like wanting like wanting answers or f- still feeling like somehow it's like my fault and that I need to like change myself or the fact that it's like like I don't know or just I don't I don't even know still but it's just like I think about it still so often and, like, that just, like, stinks. <laughs> like, that it's like that, like, those things, like, happened, and that there are people who are, like, grown ass adults who will just make you feel so awful for, like, caring about things and, like, caring about yourself and your own well being. And, like, if you do something that isn't, like, part of the goddamn curriculum and you go off and you learn somewhere else and it's like they make you feel like shit for it outside theater outside theater is a the thing too where like if
0: you're doing something and you can't do it outside of like the their their own little thing but also like i mean this is a completely different like thing but also it ties in like the eight the a, ableism surrounding yeah. like theater too is kind of like a like them making you think like oh it's your fault that you like I had a friend who had like chronic chronic migraines and she couldn't like go to practices like they kind of just like crushed all of her like hopes and dreams and they were just like made it her fault that because she has this like she couldn't actually like show up and do it but just like them people should not people should not be making you feel like your thing that you cannot help but have or, or anything like that is is your fault and then doing what's at the end of the day, easier for them Yeah, by neglecting, like, you, or, like, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, things that I could, like, literally, like, I just wanna, like, just scream from the rooftops about it still, because I still just can't get over that it happened, but I also, that's what it is. I realize that I think about it still, because i'm trying so hard to accept that it happened so i can get over it when it's okay to not be over it yet <laughs> because yeah. that shit sucked <laughs> i was like it's so hard to even like i still have trouble like admitting to myself that i was kind of sexually harassed by somebody because it, it wasn't it wasn't the type of when you think about sexual harassment you know, there's certain things that people always think is what it is, and that wasn't that for me. So it was so hard for me to consider what happened to me to be sexual harassment. There's but no, what... no cookie-cutter way, babe. There is no. Yeah. No. If it yeah. happened, and you know what happened. And it's, like, it's just, like, so much, like, shit. And just, like, so much of just, like, this constant, like, I'm gonna smash you and beat you down so you don't feel any good thing about yourself anymore. Like, I just, I'm just, like, that is just so toxic. And it just sucks because there's always going to be people in our theater department who are going to have that problem until things are fixed and are better. Um, And there's going to be people in this industry that are going to have that happen to them. Like, and, like, it just, oh, it sucks so bad. But it's, like, I don't know. It's another thing that I'll never have an answer for like why would that ever happen you know like why why does that happen but it just does and it sucks and I hate it and I could scream about it for literally days <laughs> like
2: also if you are a young person in theater a young thespian if you will don't let anyone ever tell you that you don't deserve respect because you haven't been in the business long enough or you're too young yeah like, I would literally that whole time, all I could think of was just, oh, you young people thinking you deserve respect. Because I fucking do. I'm a I person. Don't care. Like, I'm a person. There's no, you do not need to have X amount of shows, X amount of experiences, X amount of contacts to be considered res- like a respected character. You deserve respect off the bat. You lose respect if you a dickhead, but off the bat, You deserve respect, and if you are in a situation where someone, even if it's if even if it is a superior person, superior, even if it is an authoritarian, what? (laughs) Even if it is someone of a higher power, you deserve respect, and you demand respect. And if you're not getting it, don't be in that environment. If you have. The resources and the opportunity to get out of that environment and go somewhere better do it because someone thinking that you have to be literally destroyed as a person before they before they can respect you ain't shit and their respect is worth nothing
1: yeah seriously fuck the struggling artist trope it's not real It's, it's, Uh, it's it's part of the white supremacist narrative that struggle and everything is just a part of life. It's not. It doesn't, it really doesn't have to be. And the reason that Broadway and other entertainment industries are so, doing so well is because we believe that. So, stop it. I feel like this conversation was more <laughs> beneficial for us. <laughs> uh, yeah. At the, yeah. of the white supremacy in theater, than maybe people listening, but I hope that this was helpful for people. <laughs> I hope so too. Um, or at least validating. I know a lot of the times, sometimes, like, the best thing is just to hear other people have encountered the same experiences and you're not crazy because this industry will gaslight you in that way and, and make you believe that you're not deserving of things or that you only, you know, fit a particular type, quote unquote, whatever that means. Um, so, I don't know. I guess aim for the, aim for the potential,
4: not yeah. the reality.
1: Yeah, Theater De- needs to be theater. decolonized. And <laughs> decolonize it all. All of it. All the Caucasians to the back. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, no, that's really what theater needs. To, yeah. In order to be decolonized, I really do think that's what theater needs. I think a lot of people need to step down. And it's just annoying because I feel like there's a lot to impact. But other people are just um. capable, if not more so. So get out the way.
2: That's what I was thinking. Okay, stupid, ugly eyes. Um, (laughs) Parting words, anybody? I love you all, change the theater, Um, anarchy. (laughs) Ecolonize your theater.
1: Mm. Stop doing shows meant for people of color if you're not a traffic that can do that. Um, There are a lot of other fucking stories for you, and I'm sure that you could find one. So... And just like I don't know, I don't know. Read a book. Yeah. Read playwrights. Read, read, read. Playwrights that are not old white men. Yeah. Read I modern think, women of color playwrights. We'll link.
3: Yeah. We'll link some in the in the yes. description. Yes. I th- I think like a good thing for the white folks. Is know that you should be questioning your place all the time because there are a lot of places that you shouldn't be and you need to know that and no one is saying that there is not a place for you as well but know that you've probably taken a lot of other places that are not meant for you at all and just uh continue to question that and continue to figure out what your place is and what it's not stop trying to take over bro knock it off
0: as a prospective or current theater student please listen to this because i think the voices of people who um are currently you know or have gone through things like that are much much more uh helpful to you then maybe someone who is much older than you and you think is uh, very well respected might not be the absolute best person but just take into consideration um the words that are said by those who are currently doing something that you may be interested in that you care so much about because we all do but just sort of how important it is to be able to Be careful when navigating the the world of theater and the arts and um, to stick together with those people who are actually there to help you and not benefit. Yeah. Know your rights.
2: Know your boundaries. Establish those boundaries. Love and respect yourself the same way they tell you love and respect your director or the playwright. And if they're not respecting you, punch them. Facts. Don't don't punch them. Do not assault people. But um you know, as people You're, you're worth more than just the character on the page. Because at the end of the performance, the character go back to sleep. You're still living. It,
0: that's you. And that's not even a Black Mirror episode, <laughs> That's. that?
3: I just watched that this morning. <laughs> yeah. Like, advocate just, for others and advocate for yourself. Just remember, theater is mostly
2: trust, and you got to trust yourself. Trust yourself enough to know when you need to step away for your own safety. Don't let anyone disrespect you just because you're young, sis, bro, peoples. Yeah, just don't put anything on a
1: pedestal. Put yourself on the pedestal. Take everything off and put yourself there, um, unless you're a white man. And you can take yourself off and let someone, and help someone else up there because literally, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And also, like how Amelia said before, um, just remember that, like, intent is everything. What's your intention? Constantly question that. Um, As an artist, as a performer.
1: I would be careful with saying intention is everything, just because I feel like then people will be like, oh, well, that's not what I meant. If it is harmful to somebody. If someone's telling you that you've harmed them, believe that person. Oh.
3: Yes, I understand. But also
1: think about intent as a creator. Think about what effect
3: that
2: will have on people.
3: Yes. That is that is what I that is what I meant. True say. It just didn't come out that way.
2: <laughs> also, if this ever reaches Scarlett Johansson, stop playing Asian roles. I'm it's so t- done. Stop playing you literally have so many other characters. Stop playing Asian roles. I don't care that you quote unquote have small eyes. I don't care stop playing asian roles you are not an asian woman stop it stop yes. it and that was you're
0: not special we're all racist that's, and that's the tea and that's the tea follow us on instagram um and instagram oh and spotify <laughs> and spotify at you're not special underscore we're all racist oh. all right, Lady. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. <laughs> So much
4: I feel a lot better. I hope you do too. <laughs> or That's work easier <laughs> today. <laughs> like totally whatever after Taylor Molly. In case you haven't realized it has somehow become necessary for old white men to tell me how to speak, they, like, interrupt a conversation that isn't even theirs, and are like, speak like you mean it. And like, the internet is ruining the English language, and they, like, put my parentheticals, my likes and ums and your knows on a wait list. Tell them no one will take them seriously in a frilly pink dress, or that makeup. Tell them they have a confidence problem, that they should learn to speak up like the hyper-masculine words who are always the first to raise their hands. Invisible red pens and college degrees have been making their way into the middle of my sentences. I've been crossing things out every time I take a moment to think. Declarative sentences, so-called because they declared themselves to be the loudest, most truest, most taking up the most space, most totally white man sentences, have always told me that being angry has never helped like anybody, has only gotten in the way of helping them declare more shit about how they'll never be forgotten like ever. It's like F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway were geniuses for turning women into question marks. It's like rapes, it's like rapes happen all the time on campuses but as soon as John Krakauer writes about it suddenly it's like innovative nonfiction and not like something girls are like making up for like attention and it's like maybe I'm always speaking in questions because I'm so used to being cut off. It's like maybe this is defense mechanism. Maybe everything girls do is evolution of defense mechanism. Like this is protection. Like our likes are our knee pads. Our ums are the knives we tuck into our boots at night. Our you knows are the best friends we call when we're walking down a dark alley. Like this is how we breathe easier. But I guess feelings never helped anybody. I guess like tears never made change, I guess like everything girls do is a waste of time. So welcome to the bandwagon of my own uncertainty. Watch as I stick flowers in your punctuation mark guns cause you can't just challenge authority. You gotta take it to the mall too. Teach it to do the bend and snap. Paint its nails, braid its hair, tell it it looks like really good today. And in that moment before you murder it with all of the poison in your like softness, you let it know that like this, like this moment is like, um, you know, me using My voice...